The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town, and Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day, and in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, good morning. Pastor Paul here. It's, it's such a joy to be with you today. Certain people are on my heart this morning, and so I just want to say um, good morning, Kathy. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, Bill. Good morning, um, Catherine. Good morning, Coach. Thank you for your text message of encouragement first thing this morning about my sermon I also want to give a special shout out to a new person that has joined our church in the back of the room. And it's fitting. It's a new baby. And so everyone quietly turn your heads, those who are in the sanctuary, and say hi to Julian, our new baby here at One Fellowship. Hey, Meg. Hey, Joey. So good to see you. For those at home, we're celebrating uh, baby Julian Byron's entrance into the world, into our family of faith. So welcome back. So good to see you. Well, before we dive into Luke 1, let's go to God with another brief word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, I pray, come Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me begin this sermon by asking you all this question. When is the last time you heard a story that filled you with joy? 
Brooke, Tyler, Garth, when's the last time you heard a story that filled you with joy? I recently came across an amazing article in the Knoxville News Sentinel, that's out of Tennessee, titled, One Year Later, a Bullied Boys University of Tennessee shirt design is still the Vol Shop's best seller. And the article reads, In a year that's been anything but ordinary, at least one thing remains the same. The University of Tennessee shirt created by a bullied boy in Florida is still the Vols shop's bestseller. And it's not even close. It all began when the boy's fourth grade teacher, Laura Snyder, shared the story behind the boy's shirt on Facebook in September 2019. Do any of you guys remember this story? Okay, the post immediately took off. Snyder explained how the boy didn't have a Vols shirt to wear for his school's college colors day and resorted to drawing his own University of Tennessee design on a sheet of paper. He attached the paper to an orange shirt, walked into school excited, but was left in tears after other students made fun of him. And I think we have a picture of the shirt here for you to see. There's the little guy's shirt. He was devastated, his teacher wrote in her post. I know kids can be cruel. I'm aware that it's not the fanciest sign, but this kid used the resources he had available to him to participate in a spirit day. Thousands of comments and shares later, the story made its way to the University of Tennessee, which rallied together different departments to send his class a volunteer proud pack filled with big orange goodies. And are you ready for this? The support culminated when the university offered the boy a four-year scholarship and turned his design into an actual t-shirt. And I think I have a picture of that today. There's the little guy's shirt that was mass produced. And the Vol Shop sold this shirt to raise money for stomp out bullying. Now get this, Vol Shop ended up selling 112,715 shirts, 112,000 t-shirts designed by this little boy, which resulted in 952,000 $101 being raised to fight bullying over three months. According to the Vol Shop marketing manager, Tommy Grubbs, it was by far the best seller they've ever sold. And Grubbs says she is proud to have played a part in such a worthy and important cause. Isn't this a remarkable story? Perhaps what strikes me most about the story is the extreme level of kindness and support extended to the bullied boy. Because of the actions of a protective teacher and the generosity of an influential university, now over, think about it, over 100,000 people around the world wear this young man's makeshift 
shirt. And his future education is secure. Can you imagine, Rowan, how it must be for him to wake up every day and think about what's happened from that day where he was bullied? Now turn your attention, if you will, to the Christmas story where we see similar feelings of joy, kindness, and support um, or what make this story for us, for all who have ears to hear, that kindness and support from God to us is what makes it so beautiful. Some would say so irresistible. From the poor small town girl who's told she's going to miraculously, miraculously excuse me, give birth to the son of the most high, to the worn and wrinkled old priest who's told his wife will miraculously give birth to the first prophet that Israel has seen in 400 years and to the dirty and disgraced shepherds of our passage that hear a chorus that is fit for a king. The Christmas story is the ultimate story whereby the highest of the high came to love and redeem the lowest of the low, and reshape the future of generations upon generations. So let's dive into Luke 1. Are you ready? Here's our big idea, Aaron. Unspeakable joy comes to all who embrace the unthinkable path of humility Jesus took for you and me. Unspeakable joy comes to all who embrace the unthinkable Thinkable path of humility, Maddie, Jesus took for you and me. Point one, Jesus took an unthinkable path of humility. Our passage begins like this. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. She gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in a swaddling cloth, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Now, here's the first thing I want you to catch about the Christmas story. It was all wrong. The Christmas story was terribly wrong. And what do I mean? Let's look at the circumstances into which Jesus was born. First, we read that because of a decree of Caesar Augustus, the supreme ruler of the Roman Empire, everyone had to go through their ancestral hometown to be registered. Historians believe the purpose of this registration was not only to see how many people Caesar ruled over as a power-hungry emperor, but how many people he could tax. For the Israelites in that day, the oppression they felt from the Romans was unbearable, and this requirement to go and be registered was just another sign that they needed a redeemer. So what do Mary and Joseph do? We read, now catch this, guys. We read late in Mary's third trimester of pregnancy. They travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Jim, 
Do you know how far that is? Tyson's, do you know how far that is? Her third semester, excuse me, third trimester of pregnancy, she had to travel 80 to 90 miles. And in that day, it would have been so, so wrong. Uphill and downhill, through the nasty Judean desert, in the thick forest near the Jordan rivers that teemed with danger, thieves and wild animals like bears. Joseph and Mary likely, unlike some of the things you may have heard, they likely traveled by foot. Got it? Mind you, there were no ancient Ubers or Jerusalem cab companies in that day, and they came from little means. Maybe, just maybe, they had an animal she could ride off and on. But most theologians do believe it was by foot. 80 to 90 miles, you're about to give birth through the desert, through thick forest. It was unbelievable. The humiliation, the pain would have been so serious for the expectant Mary. And then to add more difficulty to an already difficult situation, when the time came for her to give birth, and I'm glad we have a new mom in the room, there was no safe or sanitary place in Bethlehem for Joseph and Mary to go. So Jesus was born in a stable or perhaps even a cave, according to historians, where only animals were kept. Does that sound romantic? No, it really wasn't. It would have been gross, absolutely gross. And just imagine the stench in the air, the filth on the floor, as the trembling hands of young Joseph delivered Jesus. We are told Jesus was then wrapped in swaddling cloths and placed in a manger, which, kids, that's literally a feeding trough for donkeys and horses and other animals. One has to imagine that a lot of animals' tongues and germs had graced that particular feeding trough over the years. The point being, there could not have been a more humble path by which Jesus came into the world. And just to keep this passage relevant for us here in this holiday season, this Advent season, Mary and Joseph and Jesus were not only displaced following a difficult trip and delivery, they were far from family who are nowhere mentioned in the biblical account. It appears that they would have to go through this occasion in this season all alone. And for those who've been isolated, you know just how wrong that feels, don't, don't you? You see, if we look at Christmas through the lens of the world, you could not have scripted a more disastrous story. Persecution, suffering, pain, isolation were the pathway by which Jesus came into the world. It is precisely because of this paradoxical entry that Jesus in the story of Christmas actually is so captivating. In the words of Craig Groeschel, Pastor Craig, we might impress people with our strengths, but we connect with people through our weaknesses. 
And that's exactly the reason God sent Jesus in the weakened and humbled state that he did. To quote another pastor, Tim Keller, it's impossible to get into an intimate relationship without becoming vulnerable. And Christianity is the only major religion saying that God has done this for us. Do you see it? It's not just why he came, but actually how he came that matters. The beauty of the Christmas story is that Jesus did not make his grand entrance riding on a stretched donkey and then walking up a a red carpet wearing a golden crown into the temple. Jesus made his entrance in the form of a baby who endured humiliation and hardship under the care of a poor, displaced, isolated teenage mom. Moreover, as we will see throughout his ministry on earth, there will be no level of humiliation from which Jesus will turn to provide a cosmic and redemptive relationship with you and me. In fact, one day he will go as far as to wear a different kind of crown. The Apostle Paul puts it like this, though he, Jesus, was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, like a baby. In being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient, even to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so while the Christmas story is oh so wrong, It's oh so right in the best of ways. Jesus took an unthinkable path of humility to extend God's grace, Rivers, to you and me. And what does this mean? It means that at your most tender points of weakness and pain, Jesus can relate to you and he loves you. So here this year, if you're experiencing the the pain of mistreatment in some way, Jesus can relate to you. If you are experiencing the pain of long-suffering right now, Jesus can relate to you. If you're experiencing the pain of displacement or distance right now, Jesus can relate to you. If you're experiencing the pain of isolation right now, he can relate to you. No matter your pain or shame, Jesus can relate to you, and he loves you. Do you know that truth in your life today? This leads me to point two. Jesus offers unspeakable joy right now to you and me. Our passage continues. I love this part. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, 
praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he's pleased. Friends, just when we think the Christmas story could not get more ridiculous, at least in the eyes of the world, we read that an angel and then a multitude of angels, kids, check this out, a multitude, it means thousands of angels showed up. And they pierced the sky and they appear to the Roman emperor? No. To the Roman elite? No. To the leaders of the Pharisees? No. To the leaders of the Sadducees? No. To a classy group of citizens? No. We read that an angel flanked by an angel army brings a cosmic proclamation to Billy and Leroy, shepherds in the field. Okay, so I made those names up, but you get the point. God announces in mind-blowing fashion the birth of the Savior, the Christ, the Lord, who has long been prayed for and sought for centuries to the least likely group of individuals on the planet. You see, God loves to call and commission the misfits amongst us. According to one source, shepherds were a despised class because their work prevented them from keeping the ceremonial law. And as they moved about the country, it was common for them to be regarded as thieves. They were considered unreliable and were not allowed to give evidence in the courts. Okay. According to another source, Shepherds were despised by the good, respectable people of that day. The only people lower than shepherds in that particular time in Jewish history were lepers. And yet that is where God plants his announcement, his gospel, his message of hope for the world. It's crazy, right? Fear not, the shepherds are told, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be For some of the people, no, for all of the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. One can only imagine the excitement or electricity that went through the veins of the shepherds in that moment on that day. And as we see, the impact is immediate. This promise forever changed the trajectory of their lives. They run, the shepherds run and tell Mary and Joseph all they'd seen and heard. And as one translation says it, Leslie, all who heard it were amazed. Furthermore, we read that they went on glorifying and praising God for all the world to see. Friends, the good news of Christmas is that God wants to bring you and me, no matter who we are, great, unspeakable joy. Yes, a charismatic kid in the back of the room screaming, amen. Yes, amen. A joy that breaks through the social, racial, economic barriers of our world. A joy that weeds out the nasty sin within us. A joy in which God says, whether you are a shepherd or a saint, a hero or a zero, 
from a small town or the big town, have an amazing life or a checkered life, you matter to me. And I bring you good news of great joy that is for all the people. And his name is Jesus. And he is the long-awaited Savior King. Unspeakable joy comes to all who will embrace the unthinkable path of humility Jesus took for you and for me. And as I close this message, especially here in 2020, I want us to understand these two things. First, the Christmas story is full of pain and problems, and this is no accident. Jesus took an unthinkable path of humility to be able to relate to and to love you and me. So might it be even through this difficult year that we're being invited to learn more and fall more in love with the real Jesus. And second, the Christmas story is a reminder that our worth and our joy are not bound by what people think about us or say about us or even the unfortunate situations we might find ourselves in even right now. Rather, our worth, catch this, Rowan, your worth, your joy is bound in a cosmic and redemptive message, and it's for all people. And it comes accompanied by a king. Fear not. Fear not. Fear not. For behold, I bring good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Christ. So as we close, I'm going to invite you to bring your pain that you might be bearing right now and any, any sort of shame you might be carrying. And I want, I want you to bring it to the Lord right now, knowing that he relates to you and he loves you. And I'm going to invite him to fill you and me and all of us with joy today. Could you use, could we use a little joy this morning? A joy that transcends our circumstances? I think we could. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this message. I thank you for this story. I thank you for this hope. God, I pray that as we bear hard circumstances right now that we would understand that actually that's the approach you took by sending your son as a baby into humiliating circumstances to relate to and love all of us. That thing that's burdening us, we lay before you right now. That shame that's crushing, crushing us, we, we bring before you right now. We don't understand all of it, but we stand, understand enough of it that there's good news of great joy for us. We're not exempt. Not through a plan, but through a person, and his name is Jesus. Jesus, would you fill us with your joy today? May it change everything like it changed the lives of Mary and the shepherds. We pray 
in your name, amen.